My name is Rose Skelton and I'm a former crew member at Tomori Lifeboat Station. My grandfather was, um, he was crew at Dover Lifeboat before I knew him. I never really knew that much about him because he didn't talk that much about himself. But after he died, his wishes were to be scattered from the Tobermory lifeboat. And it was then that I started to understand that he'd had this other life as a lifeboat crew member. And my mother dug out some old photos of him, some black and white photos of him on the boat. And uh, it was really, it was after his death that I started to understand that the lifeboat had been such an important part of his life. Growing up, I spent a lot of time with him on the Isle of Mull. Um, with his boats um, around the farm and I decided I wanted to join and, um, and to pick up where he had left off. So the first time I went and sat with the, the crew, I felt very, I mean, I just felt so excited. I felt so, um, I felt so excited to meet all these um, people that I otherwise wouldn't probably have met. There were four other women on the crew at that time, either on the crew or um, as part of the um, operations. And so that felt, you know, it was probably about a quarter at that time. That felt really um, welcoming to me. It was a dream come true. It was really, and it was such a powerful dream for me, I think, because I, I didn't, I, I didn't think that I would be a valuable member of the crew. And, and so when I went in and was kind of greeted as if I was already, or as if I already had something to offer, it felt very, it felt very unreal and very kind of dizzying and I was just very, very excited. You know, Tobermory is a, it's a coast, obviously it's a coastal town, it's a fishing town, there's a lot of fish farms, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of scallop boats going out. You know, most people have some kind of history with boats and so, it was hard to fit into that, but I think that what isn't talked about was the other skills involved in running a boat. I mean, you're running a life-saving you know, team and piece of machinery. And yes, I don't know anything about the mechanics of how a boat runs, and I probably never will. Um, and, you know, I probably always struggle with, with certain knots, but I actually, you know, I come from a background of investigative journalism I spent a long time interviewing people in really dangerous places and covering coups and, and you know, violent elections. Um, I'm very calm under pressure. And I think that what I had to learn, which was very hard for me, was to know when, when to have confidence in myself and to know when not to have confidence in myself and to ask for help. Um, and that's a delicate, that's a delicate thing to, to manage 25 personalities who all have different skills um you know you may have a whole crew of people who've had boats since they were kids but we had a diver who who unfortunately was dis was we, we performed cpr on him for quite a while before the helicopter came um but his diving mate was on the boat watching it all happen and was clearly i mean was obviously absolutely devastated and you know, we, we all naturally took to our roles in that, in that moment. And so I sat with him and talked to him and just distracted him from what was happening on the deck. And, you know, that's a skill that perhaps someone 
who, um, you know, there was a couple of guys who were, who have always been on boats or who were skippers on other boats who were, were managing the dive boats. You know, that's, we just naturally took to our, to our strongest roles. And so I think that that's something that perhaps is not obvious from the, from the, from the outside, how many different skills are involved in keeping a crew together, keeping a crew happy. I mean, it could be, you know, I remember when I told my mom I was, I was joining the crew and she said, well, that's, you know, that's great. You have, you're so good at baking cakes and, you know, and I thought, well, you know, I have other skills too, but actually, you know, baking cakes is a really big part of being in the RNLI. We have get togethers, we have parties, we have barbecues, we have, um, you know, fundraising events. There's so many things that you you can bring to being a crew member, um, obviously beyond baking cakes. Just human skills. I mean, there's so many really important human skills involved in being in a crew. My wife and I got married in Philadelphia um, in the US because I was applying for my green card. So we had a quick wedding with, with just her parents there at City Hall. And then we had always planned to get married in Mull, um, but because of paperwork, it just hadn't, hadn't worked out that way. So later on um, that year, we decided we'd have a solst winter solstice wedding blessing in Tobermory on the Fisherman's Pier, right in front of the lifeboat station. We had six crew members holding ceremonial oars, and we had the Mull and Iona pipe band who uh, piped us down the street. And my wife's family were all there from America. So um, David McAfee, our, our coxswain, um, gave us a blessing and did a beautiful ceremony. And my wife and I read a poem together, and we had a, a, had a Tobermory whiskey toast. And then we all went to the, the village hall down the main street to have some um, food and some, um, some snacks. It was, it was the middle of the day. And then, you know, a couple of hours later, my wife and I and a friend were washing up um, all the glasses in the kitchen in the, in the hall. We were going to have a Kaylee that night. My pager went off. It was a, a split second where I thought, oh, this is a prank because it's, insane that my pager would go off now and then I mean a split second later I realized I mean obviously that would never be a prank and so I just put down my I was I was, I was drying glasses with a tea towel and I looked at my friends and my wife and said don't worry I'll be back and I just you know I ran down the main street luckily I was already halfway along and got to the lifeboat station at the end of the street and there really weren't any crew. There was hardly any crew. There was a couple of members there. So I started to undress. Um, and I was just could not get this bow tie off and was down to my underwear and my shirt and my this tie. And when Sam, the operations manager, came in and said, what are you doing here? <laughs> and I, you know, it was probably two minutes since my page. I just hadn't had time to think after that split second of thinking, oh, don't worry. This is this is a joke. I I, I just didn't think. I mean, I didn't. It didn't occur to me that, you know, my wife's family had traveled 4,000 miles from D.C. to be here and that we were going to have a Kaylee that night and all our friends were there and people I hadn't seen in 25 years had shown up, you know, come all the way from, you know, a long way to this party. It hadn't occurred to me that I might spend the whole night out on a boat. Anyway, eventually, you know, enough crew did show up. And, and it, was a, it was a person in the water who had been out 
I'm in a dinghy and had fallen out of the boat. And, you know, sea temperatures at that time of year, as you know, are, you know, desperately low. And, and you know, it really was a, a matter of life and death. So there's no part of me that wouldn't have gone on that boat. I also know that my wife would have understood. She knew when we got together that, that this was the life that she was getting into, you know. I mean, to have left her on our wedding day would have been quite something. But, you know, that's part of being, she's all, I feel like, you know, she's also part of the crew in that sense, um, that she supports me and what I want to do and what I need to do. And at that moment, there was someone in the water and I would have gone. So that was our wedding day. I think the RNLI, for me, as a member of a very small coastal community or island community is yes it's a lifeline of course it's it takes people to hospital when they're in labor in the middle of the night people who are sick who need to get to the mainland to the hospital um it's a, a physical lifeline in that sense but i think for me to be accepted with all my lack of seagoing experience and you know rope tying skills um to be accepted for who I was to be given jobs to do and to be given roles to perform and to be you know whatever that role was whether you know it was was an, an emotional role or a physical role or you know all the different roles that we we each perform as are and like crew members um really sort of knotted me into a community to this community that I wanted to belong to and I really you know needed to and so it kind of became a lifeline to me as well in the sense that it, it just tied me to this community that that now you know my wife and I are working really hard to get back to we have a one-year-old son now and if we want to bring him up you know for some years in Mull and that feels really important to me and to think of him living on the main street, watching, you know, the crew members drive down the street and run down the street and hearing the, you know, the boat go out. And he's only one, so I won't say that he's going to join the RNLI, but, you know, he might. And, you know, that'll be a third generation in my family. And it feels particularly important to me that as much as the RNLI is a very open, progressive um, and diverse organization, it has been particularly important to me to feel that I have been able to play a role in it and and not face, you know, haven't, I wasn't sidelined or, or there were, less was not, was never expected of me because of my, my gender. And so that's felt really important to me to, to both be a part of that and also have the opportunity to show to the public that there are, you know, women involved and there are gay women involved and you know, your daughter might want to join and, and that that would, you know, she would really play a, a valuable part. It's been everything to me. I mean, I'm, I'm not in the crew now and that's really, really difficult for me. I miss it desperately. <laughs> it makes me tearful to think about it. I think my grandfather would probably, in his very quiet and not very expressive way, feel very proud and I'm sure he would just feel really happy. Hello, it's Phil Coulter here. 
You've been listening to part of the RNLI's 200 Voices collection. To hear more remarkable stories, head to rnli.org 200 Voices or subscribe to the RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. Two Hundred Voices is produced for the RNLI by Adventurous Audio Limited.